You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Center Church and good morning, Boulevard. How y'all doing this morning? All right. Well, good. Listen, uh, take about two minutes and pass the piece to your neighbor, whether that's like an Air 5, which you can replicate by simply hitting your wrist from a distance. Like if you do that to someone or just like do the, um, the wave, like just be like, hey, how are you? Or whatever it is, take two minutes, pass the piece to your neighbor. This is an ancient act of saying hello. Drew, good morning. Good to see you. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm right. I'm feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Good to see you. of peace being passed. Hey, make some brunch plans. I have a recommendation if you want it. Kuba Kuba has a great brunch. Amen. Amen. Joe's Inn has a great brunch. Amen. I've seen other pastors. I don't know what this means. Um, who else has a great brunch? Oh, friends. What? Hardy's? Where? What, whatever they're yelling, that's where you should go. I can't. And uh, one more, we can't forget Helen's. Helen's has a great brunch. Hopefully you made some plans. Listen, we're in a series called Greatest of These. And where we get the name of that series is that Paul, uh, in one of his letters, he kind of highlights three essential things that are important in terms of his understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Faith, hope, and he highlights one that is most important, the greatest of these, love, love. And so for over the past few weeks, you heard me kick it off by saying that love is responsive. You heard Anna Murphy share with us uh, a few weeks back that love is dynamic. You heard from Drew last week where he said, sometimes you have to say no in order to make love exclusive. In fact, if we're so busy saying yes to everything, we can't say yes to the one thing that maybe God is inviting us to do and to be. And today I want to talk about how love is sacred. Love is sacred. It is set apart. And I want to start by asking a question because I know the answer is yes for all of us. Have you ever been to a Thanksgiving dinner? Have you ever been to a party? Have you ever been in a situation where there is that one person, maybe it was me because I'm a seven on the Enneagram, but there was that one person that was taking all the oxygen out of the room. You know what I'm talking about? When all the eyes are on that person or when they're at the Thanksgiving table and they start bringing up that one topic that we all know that you should not bring up at Thanksgiving dinner, but they do it anyways, and all the eyes, all the attention is quickly taken 
to them, whether this is deliberately or because they just lack self-awareness. They took all the attention and they placed it on themselves. And what does it do to the environment? It changes the entire mood, doesn't it? I wonder if the reason that it changes the entire mood of the situation is because suddenly we're taken from a place of commonality to a place of self-centeredness. You know what I'm talking about? I can't help but wonder if maybe the creator, God, has designed us innately to be in commonality with one another. And so when we're in that situation and we see someone doing that, our heart screams out. We're like, this is injustice. This is wrong. This is evil. This person is a, a jerk. You know what I'm talking about? And it's hard. Um, friends, by the way, this is a family church. That means we have families here and we love our little friends. So if you hear kids crying, don't worry about it. They're fine. We're glad they're here because they're equally a part of this church. Amen? So don't turn back to parents and look at them or make them feel weird. Just celebrate the heck out of them when you see them. And say, we're so glad that you're part of this community. Anyways, we'll talk more about that later. So this one time, I went to a show with Drew two weeks ago. And we were at a, a show, this artist, his name is Corey Wong. He's playing... Uh, Friday Cheers coming up actually in May. So if you want to go with me, I would love to go. And he has this really sweet album called Meditations. It's a spiritual album. It, it's with John Baptiste and it's designed to take you to a spiritual place. And so as an encore, Corey Wong came out and he began to kind of pluck away on his guitar to the song Meditations in which the entire crowd was dead silent except for these group of four women from UVA. It was in Charlottesville. I'm just putting it out there for my Hokie fans. There's some here. And they started yelling things like, Corey, we love your shoes. During this like emotive, meditative moment, one person yelled, we love your hair. And I was like, what is happening? So I turned to Drew and I said, Drew, I will give you $500 if you kindly, lovingly Go tenderly go over to those girls and tell them to quietly shut up, please. <laughs> and Drew stood up <laughs> and I stopped him. I said, Drew, I don't actually have $500. <laughs> and he walked over to the girls and I've never, it was like he needs to teach a master class in this. He got down slightly and he said, listen, we're all communally trying to experience this divine moment this music, this artistry. And they stopped yelling. And we could all pay attention once again. I know it's silly, but this was, a, this was a sacred moment, friends. And I'm not saying that Pastor Drew is some crazy holy person, but he is. <laughs> but Drew went over for the good of the audience, and he invited these women to join in on the church service that was taking place. Now, this sounds funny, but I believe that this is a sacrificial love. This is a sacred love. Drew adores music, 
And so he wanted to sacrifice his own comfort so that others might experience the beauty of the moment. Remember how we said that person that takes all the oxygen out of the room lacks the one thing that I think is innate to all of us, and that is commonality. There is something supernatural that takes place when we intentionally call out something that stands in the way of people experiencing the divine creator. When we use our position, and chances are if you're in this room, you are in a position, be it degree or skin color or socioeconomic status. When people in a position of power, privilege, or prestige have enough awareness to place themselves in a moment of discomfort. You see, God never calls us to comfort, does he? God calls us to courage, <laughs> to stand up with our neighbors who oftentimes are in places of the oppressed, are in places where they can't be elevated to equal status, to have the courage to stand up and to invite a different way. Paul writes this letter to a church plant in Philippi around 60 CE. Uh, Lauren just shared it with us. You see, most scholars believe that this particular letter is not just one letter. It's actually a compilation of letters that were written to Philippi. As many as three letters are contained in the book of Philippians. Some of you are like, what? That's insane. But you got to understand, what we're seeing in most of Paul's epistles are one side of a correspondence. Uh, Paul has been sent a letter, and he is responding to the needs of that community. Does that make sense? So sometimes you get these weird little um, Pauline nuggets where you're like, Paul, that came out of left field. What's happening here? He's responding to a question. Now, the purpose of this particular letter is to affirm these Gentiles who were converting into Judeo-Christianity, okay? They were not a part of this new Christian movement that just started 20, 30 years ago. Most of the people were Jewish, and they became Christians. But the Gentiles, they were not Jewish, and they kind of came into this faith. Now, there was a group of people in Philippi called Judaizers. These were the people that were like, no, you have to practice this way. You have to do it this way. You're not doing it right if you don't say these things. They were taking all the oxygen out of the room. You know what I'm talking about. They were taking some from a place of equality. And lowering their status. Are you with me? And Paul had some harsh words for them. Paul was like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. So in the scripture reading we just read, the invitation in verses 1 through 4 is for people of power to share the same mind of those that are without to set aside their individualism, to set aside their power, to set aside their privilege, and this privilege that was given to them, coincidentally, by systems. Does this sound familiar to some of you? 
this power that was given to them by a system that was elevating them and oppressing others. Paul was saying you have to let go of that power and become equals. That's what Paul's invitation is. In other words, for Paul, the only true Christian response is to set yourself apart. That's what it means, sacred. Sacred means set apart. For the love to flow more freely between you and others and God and creation. You see, the love that flows between two people is reflective, hang with me, of the divine love that flows throughout creation. When we share in commonality, we are replicating quite literally the divine love that flows throughout creation. This is a sacred love. This is the kind of love that lowers yourself so that others can be elevated to a place of privilege. There's this um, ancient mystic Hebrew teaching. The Hebrew word is tzim tzim or zim zum. The concept around zim zum is that in order for God to create creation, God had to limit God's own self in order for creation to be created and to be co-creators with the creator. Are you with me on that? That God took himself from a position of power and privilege, lowered God's self or shrunk God's self so that creation could be pushed forward, so that the sacred love can flow more freely between creation and the divine. What I think this is tapping into is that limitless love is actually found in limits. <laughs> limitless love is found in limits. Sometimes that means at the dinner table that you have to hold your tongue. Sometimes that means coming to a church and placing on a mask. Limitless love has limits. Sometimes that means setting aside your preference and worship for the greater good of community. Limitless love has limits. Are you with me? In verses 5 through 11, this is a Christological hymn. Paul starts to quote some sort of psalm. This psalm wasn't canonized anywhere in the Bible, but scholars, I was about to say we, I am not a scholar, okay? I am not. Um, I got C's in, in Greek, and my professor was like, well, he's gifted in other ways, just not in foreign languages. Now, some scholars believe that this was some sort of psalm that was passed around throughout the communities, and Paul begins to quote it. You're going to see it here. So I want to set this up a little bit. Christ is one with God, the psalmist says, but then came to earth to become an oppressed human. We've already covered that. Remember, we believe that Christ is fully God, and fully human. And for those of you, this is amazing, for those of you that feel alone, that feel forgotten, 
that feel overwhelmed with anxiety, that feel like you are the only person on earth that knows exactly how you feel. Nay, there is a Christ that has become human so that it might be able to identify with you. Them, dumb. Limitless love found in limits. That's holiness. That's profound. That is sacred. The invitation, I'm going to say it one more time, is for those with power, for those with a voice, with those with something to say, to advocate for the oppressed, to humble themselves to become, there's this ancient um, Hebrew word, echad, to humble themselves to become one. In the Orthodox tradition, we believe that God is God, Christ, and Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Christ becomes one in a different kind of Trinity. Jesus, the oppressed, and those with power are invited to join the Trinity. <laughs> Are you with me? And look what scripture tells us happens when this takes place. John 3, 30. He becomes greater. I must become less. When we join Christ in the place of the oppressed, when we lower ourselves to a position of the lowest, we meet Christ, and by doing so, we then elevate Christ back to the position of holiness. Are you with me on this? This is why it's really important. Every time I do premarital counseling with partners, I say to them, the only way I teach is that I teach egalitarianism. I believe that we are to be equals with one another so that we can elevate Christ to Christ's proper position over all of creation. So practically speaking, how do we do this? Well, we examine and we find the places of inequality. It's that simple. Where are the oppressed voices? Where are the people that are not part of this community yet? Where are people with needs? And we meet them where they are. <laughs> Sometimes that means selling a home and moving. I'm not kidding. Sometimes that means driving a different route so that you go through neighborhoods that otherwise you drive past and don't know about. Sometimes that means taking a neighbor out for coffee that might look different than you, that might think differently than you, that might have different signs outside of their yard than you do. You go to the places 
of the voices that are oftentimes left unheard. And you hear and you listen and you meet on their level. Limitless love limits itself. The next thing I think you can do is to observe what keeps you from limiting yourself. Push pause, take an inventory. What idols do you cling to? What do you grip to in your life that prevents you from meeting those with needs in the place of oppression? Is it the idol of fear? <laughs> Is it the idol of indoctrination, of education, of wealth? Is it the idol of time? If I take that route, or if I have coffee with that person, that will require something from me. Is what idol in your life? Christ is the God that sits with the oppressed. And this is, friends, this is unique. What kind of idol, what kind of deity or anything we cling to actually limits itself, shrinks itself, belittles itself, becomes a slave to become the object of the very thing that it is supposed to worship it. Only Christ. And there's this really tender moment in Jesus' ministry. It's this really sweet moment where large crowds of people are following Jesus. People wanted to catch a glimpse of this Christ. He was saying profound things. Large crowds of people were just like swarming after Jesus. And suddenly, people kind of caught winds that Jesus was a healer. And so they started to bring these street children to him. Now, I want to give a little bit of context of this verse we're about to read in Matthew. In Greco-Roman culture, um, children, particularly, particularly children without freedom, particularly children that weren't Roman citizens, were a scourge. They, they were seen as like street rats. They had nothing good to offer civilization, and so they were oftentimes cast to the side. And we see this really sweet moment in Matthew 19, 13 through 15, and I will invite you to read it right now. Verse 13 says this, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Get these street rats away from Jesus. They have nothing to offer him. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven, heaven has descended to earth, the kingdom of heaven, what? Belongs to such as these. It is here in the place of the forgotten. It is here in the place where nothing of value can necessarily be offered to you. That Christ lowered himself to become a child again. And it's there that the kingdom of heaven belongs. I love this moment because um, Jesus remembered that it's the oppressed that are closest to the kingdom of God. 
And when we take an opportunity to join Christ there, we transform the world. And so, friends, next week, this is so exciting. We are starting our children's ministry again. And I, yeah, I am so stinking pumped. But here's the reality. We need you. We need you to not only celebrate our young little friends, but to invest in them. And to do that, I want to invite up my good, dear friend, Jamel Jones. Everybody give a hand for Jamel. There you go, buddy. Hey, Jamel, Yo. Uh, introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Jamel, spelled Jamal, pronounced Jamel, which is why there's like the quotation marks on my name tag. And um, there's a really good story about my name. There's like three different versions. So depending on how much time you got, I can give you whichever one you have yeah. and desire. That's so that's great. a little bit about my name. And I am just going to be the kids ministry team lead for um, this community. Yeah. And I'm really... And I want to accentuate I'm just the team lead. There's going to be an incredible grouping of people that will be helping make this happen um, for all of us. Because I think we all benefit from the little homies in our community <laughs> yeah. uh, having their own unique experiences. Shout out to little homies. I see y'all. Yeah. I see y'all. And also, I think that when those experiences and environments happen, it also helps the people specifically that are going to get to you know, lead with it. So I'm just, it's going to be a wow. team of us that you'll meet those people as time goes on. I'm just the first person that your eyes are and ears are introduced to. Yeah, I love that. So, um, and I love that you called them little homies. That, that feels really good to me. That's how we um, do. So I think that raises a really interesting question for me. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy of kids ministry. Yeah. What philosophy are we bringing to the equation? And what do you want parents and volunteers to know? Yeah. So philosophy, and what do you want parents and kids to know? Absolutely. And so the philosophy will greater develop as this community understands itself, understands its little homies, and those things will work together. But I think big picture, the philosophy is one where it values a, creating a safe space for kids to be able to have faith formation conversations with trusted adults. That's a lot, but it's <laughs> one. Uh, I'll try to say that simply uh, again. And that's the first spot, creating safe space for kids to have their unique experience with Jesus and those adults. And the second one is to be a partner to parents as you are the real leaders of the faith formation of right. your kids. So yeah. in summary, those are the two main highest priorities for uh, this community's kids ministry. But So I'll stop there and let you ask any questions if you wanted to. Yeah, so if I'm like on the margins of my faith, if I'm like, okay. you know, I don't have all the answers about Jesus, I don't even know what I think about Jesus yeah. and God and all of this, is it wrong that I still want to invest in young people? Absolutely not. Okay. Because the reality is, I mean, I think we know this, right? But in case I need to, none of us have all the answers or know this thing. So I <laughs> just want to make sure that was clear, even though I yeah. whispered it. None of us really know everything there is to know or will be to know about faith formation and the journey. Yet, let's journey together. And yeah. if you desire to be on that journey, then we really desire for you to be a part of that journey and do it with the kids 
uh, in this community. That's of course, there are like some safety things, but when it yeah. comes to like your faith journey, we'll you know we'll work with you yeah. as we go together, as we're all figuring it out together. So let me let me ask you a, one more question or a okay. couple more questions. Um, do I have to volunteer every single week and miss out on church? You do not need to volunteer every single week and miss out on church. Yet, I wanted to give a little thing up in there. Uh, there is spiritual formation in the act of leading mm. and serving. So, yes, you will miss out on the corporate gathering of the peoples, but you will still have a, an ability to f- be formed as you are helping form. So there's that. So, yet, at, then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, there is a consistency that the little homies need. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If you're there randomly, then your experience of them will probably be random. <laughs> but yeah. if you're there consistently, then you have the ability to develop a consistent relationship with the little homies. So yeah. those two things will work together. But ideally, we're going to shoot for an every other week rotation of people that want to lead with kids. And we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Cool. That's super helpful. I know for me to just know that, and I'm sure for others as well. Um, tell me a little more about like equipping parents real quick, because I, yeah. I, I want to highlight this. Like, We don't do all the spiritual formation in an hour nah. here at church, right? Never. Right. So tell me a little more about like equipping parents. What would that look like? Yeah. So I think that the greatest, and I'm a parent, I have an 11-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 4-month-old. They're probably watching on the stream. Shout yeah. out to y'all, family. Um, and, all, and everyone who's watching on the stream as well. We, don't, we know y'all there. So uh, when it comes to parenting, so I'll speak as a parent real quick. As a parent, I know that my child will not listen to everything that I say. And the parents say, amen. amen. Um, and mm. so... I think the greatest gift that is a child thumbing up her mom, like, yeah, I don't. Um, So there is a thing that happens that every parent wants, probably. They want someone else to be speaking similar things and goodness into their kid because Mm. they know that they'll hear it differently. They'll hear the same thing from a different person um, overhearing us sometimes. And there's a whole lot with that, but we'll just, it just kind of is what it is. So, the, so in summary, um, the partnering with parents thing comes, we want to give you the gift of another trusted adult in the life of your child, leading them along the journey to Jesus. And then on top of that, I think that's the most beneficial yeah. thing that we do. And then on top of that, what we will do, um, then on top of that, it's going to be this thing where we want to give you resources, like a summary of what your kids learned about or talked about when they are in with us for that one hour or whatever, uh, so that you can have ideas of how to continue the conversation, have new conversations, create experiences with your child that are just fun, number one, because the little homies love fun. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We all do. Yes, they all do. Their fun's a little different fun than our fun, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, you know, it's all fun all the same. Yeah. Uh, and be able to have fun moments and moments for faith forming as well. That's so cool. If that, 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 yeah, no, that's sense? super helpful. So, Am I making sense? Real I hope quick, so. high-level next steps that you can take immediately. First off, ask Jamel about the three different ways of pronunciation of his name and yep. those three different stories. Yep. Step number two, we need you to volunteer. I'm going to make the ask right now. In order to have a robust children's ministry, in order to invest in our VIPs, to to form our young friends and to equip parents, we need you to volunteer. And so what I want you to do is after the gathering, go up to Jamel and tell him that you want to volunteer. The other step that you can take is go to our um, first impressions table 
and there is a quick little card that you can fill out and let us know that you want to volunteer. We'll give you a background check. We'll make sure that you uh, have been um, uh, received vaccination for COVID-19, and then you can begin getting some training around children's ministry. You'll hear from Jamel, and we'll take next steps yeah. from there. May I add one thing real quick? Yeah. One thing for the parents in the room. If you are a parent of a child between the ages of birth and fifth grade, and there will be different ways we'll delineate between those ages. But if you're a parent of a child in those ages and you would like them or you would like to consider them being a part as in a participant in the kids ministry, please make sure that you're on the uh, Center Church and Boulevard Church email list. Mm. And I think the best way to do that is to fill out one of the um, connection yeah, cards. Right. Is yeah. that right? Because we'll be getting you on specific lists that are just for y'all. Just, for, just parents. for the parents. Just for parents. That's right. So please do that so that when, as emails are coming, you're getting them, and you can be on that list to get specific emails just for y'all. Yeah. For us. Can we give a hand for Jamel, everyone? I'm going to invite up the band. And uh, thanks, Jamel. Appreciate it.